0: And now, here's the episode. Good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas! Ooh, that was good. That was good. Well done. I feel that was a that that's fantastic. Well, I, my Christmas feels that much merrier because of you. So thank you. Uh, it's really good to be with you guys this evening. Um, I love this time of year. I love this night. This is my favorite night. So. Thank you so much for being a part of our church family, for uh, being a part of this evening uh, with us. We're going to get to the sermon in just a minute, but I've got some updates to give you for must-have gifts. Quick uh, reminder, every year at this time in the month of December, uh, we try to give uh, collectively. What we call must-have gifts. Now, um, must-have gifts. We know is it really boils down to it. The real must-haves are not things like uh, the latest tech or the coolest new fashions. Actual must-have gifts are things like food and clothing and shelter and access to the gospel and stuff like that. And so, we as a church family each year uh, work together to give some real must-have gifts. Uh, We set three Uh, this year with a a goal collectively uh, to reach all three of those would be forty thousand dollars, and we are uh, working. Toward these goals all throughout uh, to the end of this year, so I encourage you to give. But I want to give you guys an update on where we're at so far. The first need I want to highlight is the box. The box is our local need meeting system. This is how we respond to urgent needs in the life of our church and our community. And then we're particularly partnering this year uh, with local schools to respond to urgent needs kids who just don't have the basic essentials. Uh, We set a lofty goal of ten thousand dollars. Uh, for that, and so far you have given $12,789. That's awesome. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much. Uh, Also, uh, we are working on a a relatively new partnership in the Dominican Republic. We've worked for many years in Haiti, and increasingly it's been more and more difficult for us to send teams into Haiti because there's so much discord. Um, The country is in such terrible shape, frankly. Um, so, what we've been, ordered, been, been doing more and more to get access to Haiti is to start doing ministry in the Dominican. Republic, which shares the island of Hispaniola with them there. And so we've been doing more and more work there, building relationships there. And we've met with uh, and got connected with uh, Pastor Eldrese, who has this beautiful ministry there, a church that meets in his home and it's growing. And they want to be a hub to uh, do reconciliation uh, between Haitians and Dominicans and to spread the gospel to be a light in a dark place. And so we've partnered with them for the last couple of years, have come to really uh, love and trust. Uh, this man, His, uh, like, like I said, the church that meets in their home no longer fits in their home, so we want to go build a church. In order to do that, uh, we need $10,000 in order to do that. So far, you've given $10,315. Good job. <laughs> That's really good. I love it. And then uh, the third goal. This is the biggest goal—a twenty-thousand-dollar goal. This is uh, a fifteen-passenger van for the Freedom House. This is in Haiti, as I mentioned earlier. There's a lot of a lot of danger and discord there. The country is just collapsing, frankly. And uh, typically, we have a we have a. Uh, you started with your generosity, and and Josh and Amanda collectively they started the Freedom House. Um, uh, orphanage there, and they've been taking care of kids. There are 26 kids there. It's been um, been there for about 10 years, and it's going beautifully. Uh, but because of all the dangers there, their normal way of transportation isn't acceptable anymore, which is throw a bunch of kids in the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> and that doesn't work anymore uh, because, frankly, kidnappings have been um, rampant and So uh, we want to get a 15-passenger van to them so that they can transport those children safely from point A to point B. A $20,000 goal. Guys, we're over 90% there. It's $18,085 so far. Thank you so much. What that means is... Collectively, you've actually already given over $40,000. So uh, like I said, we're over 90% of the way there. We've reached the other two. And just in case you're wondering, say maybe you felt led to live, uh, felt led to give in uh, an, an area where the need's already been met, anything like that. Just want to let you know, we have stretch goals for all three of these. Like, here's what we'd love to do in the Freedom House, and here's what we'd love to do if we were able to get even more. Same with the box, same with Pastor Aldrisa and the DR. So um, I encourage you, just as the Lord leads you, uh, to continue to give, and I just want to thank you so much. I'm just so every year so encouraged by the generosity um, in this church family. You guys are awesome. Let me take a minute to pray, and we will get into the sermon to share for a little bit from Scripture. Oh, King Jesus, it's so good to be with you, to be in your presence, to be with our family. And we want to just thank you, Lord, for sending your Son, for being Emmanuel, God, with us. To make a way for us to be our rescue, to be our redemption, our champion, our hope, our deliverer. Thank you, King Jesus, our deliverer. We love you so much. We ask that as we now look to your word, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in this sanctuary, even as it is in heaven. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's be honest for a minute. I know this is church. It's not the place for that. But let's be honest and see if you can do a little bit of honesty. You tell me, show of hands. Are you one of the jumpy people, like the people who like a jump scare really gets you, like you can get got pretty easily? Be honest, I see a lot of spouses looking at, okay, raise your hand if you're one of the jumpy ones. All right, so the other thing, ah! All right, if I got you even 10% just there and you didn't raise your hand, put your hand in the air. All right, so we're jumpy, okay? And some people are more jumpy than others, okay? This is what I've learned. Some of you are like, not okay, I'm sorry guys, I didn't mean to cause any trauma. A little Christmas trauma this year, that's why. <laughs> anyway, um, some people are really jumpy and other people are not jumpy at all. Um, my wife is, she's really pretty jumpy. And I thought, oh, this would be fun. This first couple years we got married, I was like, oh, this, this will be fun. It's like a, a constant joke, like we live together. I can hide anywhere, anytime, and I can really get her. And it worked every time. And after a while, I was like, this is so, this is too easy. This is shooting fish in a barrel. I feel bad. And I thought, i got to stop. I'm like torturing my own wife because she's so jumpy. She's easy to get. My son, on the other hand, nothing gets him. Like nothing. Like the world can be falling apart. He's just right here the whole time. And by the way, just along those lines, um, the kid needs to get got more often, so I don't mind making it an initiative this year for our church to scare the mess out of Bryce. Uh, So if you went in on that, let's do it together. Um, Feels like he should get it. Anyway, so I was walking into the service to church today, and I knew I was going to start the sermon this way. This part was already planned. And guess what happened? As I walked into this church building two days, a couple hours ago, with my immediate family, there's this punk kid Liam Winders, here we are. Everybody look at Liam. Everybody say hi, Liam. Come on, stand up. Be- there we go. Listen, this punk kid, you know what he did? He was hiding in the shadows when we came in, and he like screamed at our whole family, and we were wrecked by it. So stand up, take a bow. Come on, take a bow. Very good, well done, Liam. And it was so frustrating to me because it just demonstrated the point that I wanted to make. Sharon needed a minute. She was not okay. I asked Bryce about it later. I was like, did he get you? He was like, what are you talking about? I didn't, he didn't even notice. Okay? So some people just need to get got. Anyway, um, and some people are harder to get than others. But the easiest to get, the easiest ever in my life was my mamaw. Okay? Mama Red, we called her. She died at 93 earlier this year. Wonderful lady. Um, but the jumpiest lady ever. And toward the end of her life, I w- of course, we're going to visit her. And then as, as older people, toward the end of life, as is often the case, whenever I went to go see her, she was almost always asleep. And she's so jumpy. And if you wake Mamaw up from a good deep sleep, you will, no matter how gently you approach, you will scare her half to death. And I did that a couple of times because i go in to visit her. And she told me. She was very clear. She was like, no, I, when you come, I want to talk to you. I want you to wake me up. And I'm like, but it scares you half to death. And she's like, it's okay. And the whole time, I, I just thought, one day I'm going to show up, and I'm going to scare her all the way to death. <laughs> I just thought, I don't want to make it about me, but I was like, this sounds, I don't want that to be the last thought before she goes, Aaron, And she's gone, you know? <laughs> so anyway, one of the last times I went to visit her, walked in. And she was in a deep, deep sleep. And I tried to wake her the first time like she asked. And she was still just out, man. She was sleeping hard. And then, I hate to admit this, but um, some of you look really nervous. I'm not about to confess the murder of my mammal, okay? I didn't kill mammal. Relax. And if I did, it wouldn't be here. Like, like where's, how was Christmas Eve service? Good. Got a little dark there for a minute. No, that's not what happened, okay? But I did. Here's what I did. I did not respect her wishes because she had told me repeatedly, wake me up every time. I did not. I tried once. I was like, no, I'm not going to be the one who literally scares her to death. I played her favorite hymn, said a prayer, and left. Because I just, that idea of just, you know, she's jumpy, jumpy. So um, anyway, I was thinking about that while reading the Christmas story this year. And um, I was thinking about the angels. And there are several times in the Christmas story where the angels appear Um, And that people are absolutely terrified every time I was thinking about that because if you're a great and glorious angel, there is no such thing as a gentle approach, right? You can't, especially, you know, if you're this supernatural being that no one's ever seen before, um, you can only ever burst onto the scene. There's no other way to do it if you're a great and glorious angel, And you're going to scare the mess out of some people. And that's what happened. The the angels appeared in the story to Zechariah, to Mary, to Joseph, to the shepherds. It's four times. In every case, the Bible says they were greatly troubled or they were highly disturbed or very afraid. Or the King James Version is my favorite. It says they were sore afraid. Um, It doesn't ever actually say what these people said or did to show the angels that they were sore afraid. And there's probably good reasons for that. But man, I wish they did. You never just read the Bible and you're like, if one more sentence of detail would have been awesome. I want to know what they did, when that," because I can picture it. And the angel appeared unto Mo, uh, to Mary, and Mary lost her ever-loving mind for screaming uncontrollably for several minutes. Like, that's what I want the Bible to say. And the angel appeared unto Joseph, and Joseph said a very regrettable word that he <laughs> never imagined he would say in the presence of an angel. Like, just one more sentence, it would be better, I think. But anyway... They panicked every time because, if again, if you're a great and glorious angel, you can't come gently. You can't come quietly. You only ever burst onto the scene. And every time then, the angel says, fear not or do not be afraid. Hey, it's okay. And I wasn't there, but I'm betting it never worked. Like, do you think that any person actually said, oh, whew, that's great. I'm, I'm calm now. The... Uh, Massive angelic warrior flooding everything with glorious light. Told me not to be afraid, so I'm just going to toggle my fear switch from sheer debilitating panic to a a deep transcendent calm. Done. I don't don't think it went that way at all. I think they were probably still struggling to hear the angels' voices over the pounding of their own hearts. That's what I think it was like. I think they had a hard time getting their composure and had to tell the angels, Okay, go ahead. I'm just not going to look at you, but just go ahead. They're breathing into a bag or whatever. Um, but in these sort of dramatic, they had to be dramatic, angelic Christmas stories, there's a pattern with this piece. And I think it, I think the pattern really matters. Every time we have first fear, covered that second comfort, and then third revelation. Every time there's this incredible fear, there's this divine comfort. It's okay. And then a beautiful, revelatory truth the king is coming the king is coming and as i said before there was no there was no gently waking mammal you know and if you're a great glorious angel you can only ever burst onto the scene it can't be gentle it can't be subtle but i think this matters as well jesus when he came he was so determined not to burst onto the scene in fact he went to incredible lengths to ensure that he did the opposite of that. I think about it. Jesus came in the most gentle, unassuming, unintimidating way. He came as an infant. Guys, babies, babies are the opposite of scary. All right? Unless, unless you have to take them home and keep them alive, that's terrifying. But just like out in the wild, if you see a baby, like no one's running for cover, you know what I mean? It's like, aw, every time. So he comes as a baby, and not just that, a really poor baby from an unknown family and some armpit of a town in the middle of nowhere. And what's interesting is we had these extreme, intense, angelic encounters, and in all four of those, those people ended up actually getting to see the baby themselves firsthand. And I can only um, guess, and you could join me on that, but we could sort of guess the types of things that they were expecting to see when the king arrived. I mean, if you're one of the shepherds, you're going, we're going to go get to see the king of glory. And the announcement of the king of glory There was a host of heavenly angels. They ripped the sky open from horizon to horizon and declared the greatness of the king, scaring us half to death. It was this incredible thing. So what kind of triumphant procession must be on its way? If the announcement, if the Evite is like that, then what happens when you actually see the king and he bursts onto the scene? So surely that's what they were expecting, but instead what they found was this squirming crying infant in a feeding trough just weak and and vulnerable and reliant the king of glory reliant wearing a a makeshift onesie and getting his diaper checked a lot because no one was sure if that smell was from him or from one of the angels or one of the animals not angels they could have been there (laughs) one of the animals in a stable that's let's not run past that he was in a stable. And I don't know what they were picturing, but that's, I feel confident that smells and poop did not feature prominently as they pictured meeting the king of glory. And yet, there they find him. Can you imagine? I mean, here's the resplendent king of the universe. Would you like to hold him? <laughs> hold him? I'm, I'm, I'm always a little nervous uh, holding a baby. Every time I'm convinced I'm going to drop the baby. 100 times out of 100, I'm terrified. I've never in my life dropped a baby, not once. I've raised two children. I'm proud to say I never dropped them a single time. But every time somebody hands me a baby, I'm panicking. <laughs> like, I'm going to drop it. <laughs> I'm going to drop it. I had somebody ask me um, after a child dedication recently. They said, Pastor, how come you don't hold the baby like some pastors do? Is it because you're afraid you're going to spit up? on on your shirt right before you preach. And I said, no, it's not that. It's because I'm certain I would drop the baby in front of lots of people. And that feels like a career ender. You know, it's like, you know, the baby, the thing that everyone loves. I dropped one. Like, it's like, okay, not a lot of trust there. The, can you imagine though in this? Like, here is the one and only hope for all mankind. Be sure to support his head when you, and don't, So think about then the contrast between these angelic announcements and then the incredibly humble introduction. Because, and hear me on this, that contrast was absolutely intentional. And the message is vivid. It is crystal clear. And the message is this. This king, this king is unlike any king you have ever heard of. Yeah, the angels declare his majesty. Of course, they've seen behind the veil. I mean, they know the whole story, right? But it was decided that in this world, none of that would be on display. He will be born into squalor and, and poverty and scandal and anonymity. He'll be overlooked and disdained and thought of as a nobody. And it's not unintentional. The message is clear. This king does not rule with fear or with force. Say it again. This king does not rule with fear or with force. Now look, I'll be really honest. Um, I know enough church history, and probably you do too, to know that there have been times over the course of history and ugly forgettable moments when the church or people in the name of Jesus would try to rule or to manipulate and to do so with fear And with force, and they've done so, regrettably, in the name of Jesus. But I want to be very, very clear about that. That's because those people lost the plot entirely. And they got completely out of touch with our humble king. And out of touch with his fundamental nature. And I want to be clear, God never has blessed that. A better picture of the heart of Christ on this is Matthew chapter 20, verses 25-28. to Jesus talking with his disciples. He called them together and said... You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. To sacrifice, to disadvantage himself, to be the last of all and to be the servant of all, not to lord it over his people, not to startle them into fearful submission to him, but to gently invite them to accept a love that's greater than fear. 1 John chapter 4, 9 and 10, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now verse 16, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love, live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid On the day of judgment but we can face him with confidence because we live like jesus here in this world and verse 18 man don't miss it such love has no fear because perfect love expels it casts out all fear if we're afraid it's for fear of punishment and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love guys did you hear it's just so So clear and so direct. Perfect love, which is God's love, not ours. Perfect love drives out fear. And any kind of fear that we experience is just a distortion of his love. It's just a failure to fully embrace his character and who he is. The invitation of Christmas is to submit our lives to this humble king. And then in turn to receive the salvation he offers. Listen. Not because we're afraid of what he'll do if we don't. Not because we're afraid of punishment or rejection. Not because he rained down fire and ripped the skies open and melted all our faces off, which he didn't do, but he could have done. It's because we're grateful that we're already loved and we're already chosen. That's why we choose to follow this king. It's not just that he's powerful. It's not just that because he is the creator, he has every right to rule, which of course he does. Instead, it's that in spite of all of that, he chooses to extend an invitation. Guys, I, I choose Jesus in, in part because Jesus gave me the power to choose. Because the fact is, a king who's, who's really a king does not need me to validate his throne. His kingdom is a gift to me, an invitation. It's an offer. Okay, so, all right, stick with me for one more minute here, okay? And lean in. <laughs> uh, we talk about this time of year a lot, um, how incredible it is that God in, in all of His glory and all of His resplendent power and might came as a baby. As if Setting down power was just so contrary to being a glorious king. But what the Bible teaches is that his humility, his gentleness, his kindness, his love, those do not in any way run counter to his greatness. They are instead, and hear me on this, manifestations of his greatness. They are confirmations of his greatness. He didn't come to us in humility, in spite of his glory. He did it because he's glorious. And we have a hard time getting our heads around this in this context. We have in the power-hungry world, the power-obsessed society and culture, and so this often fails to land because we define greatness as a flex, as, as domination, as lording over. But God comes Gently and humbly and says, guys, this world has greatness all wrong. It, it actually looks like this. A baby. A servant. An offering. A sacrifice. A gift. An invitation. Guys, Jesus coming to us in humility. Please don't miss this. Him coming to us in this way, an infant in a manger in a stable. It was not some temporary role that he was playing for dramatic effect. It's who he is. It wasn't in spite of his glory. It was a demonstration of what's actually glorious in the kingdom of heaven. I want to About to wrap up here, I want to read you from Philippians chapter 2. These are some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. I speak so directly to this. Speaking of Christ, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor. I want to stop there for just a second and reiterate that. Therefore. So he he talks about the incredible demonstration of humility and sacrifice. And it doesn't then say, and nevertheless, God gave him the place of highest honor. Or in spite of that, or despite that, God still gave him such great glory. It's therefore, it's because of that, because of the humility, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of the Father. That's what greatness looks like. He came in humility To be our rescue. He died in shame to be our healing. And He rose victorious to give us life. And He invites us, plain and simple, to follow Him. Now, hear what what I'm saying when I said, don't run past that. To follow Him, which means to go His way, which means to go that way. What is it to follow Jesus? I want to be very clear. It is to be last of all and servant of all. The very heart of the way of Jesus is hey, your deal ahead of my deal. You first. I'll care for you. The very heart of the way of Christ is self sacrifice for the benefit of others, it's self sacrificial love. And the invitation is to follow Him, to go that way. And to drop all of the, these silly, contrived, man-made ideas about greatness and power and esteem and honor. And instead, go the way of Jesus, take up our cross and follow him. And if you want to live that kind of life, and I'm explaining this to you not because it's easy, it's hard, but it's beautiful. And it's all that matters. If you want to live that kind of life, then surrender to that king, the king who has demonstrated it. And through that, receive real life and real glory, not as the world defines it. The world's wrong. The way the real king of glory defines it. Humble and simple and beautiful and sacrificial and above all, love.